May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from John 10, 11 through 15. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own knows me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Our second reading is from 1 John 3, 16 through 18. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. This is God's word to God's people.
out from Easter, are you still feeling the excitement of the holy day? I am. I'm, I'm still uh, kind of bubbling inside. The miracle of the resurrection, come on. What, what's greater than that, huh? Really. God's love for, for Jesus and through that love conquering death, wow. Or, or the miracle of belief, really, belief in the resurrection the disparaging disciples empowered now because of the risen Christ to live lives full of faith. I'm wondering, which do you think is the, the bigger miracle? God altering physics or humans claiming their higher image? I'm choosing the second, although lots of people choose the first. They think the, the resurrection, of course, must be the biggest miracle of all, and I don't know. I invite you to think about it. I think the second. For God to act like God, like really, what's the big deal? Now, if a person brought themselves back to life, well, that would be amazing. You know, but for God, being God, the God that we're worshiping, the God that created the cosmos, the God that did all of this stuff, for God, this God, to resurrect Jesus, well, I don't know, isn't that just the kind of thing a God could do? A God would do? Yet for people to act godlike, well, I don't know, it seems to me that that's a big deal. I'll confess that I have been forced to look at human nature in the face over these last couple years a little more honestly and perhaps a little less 
comfortably. And what I've seen isn't so pretty. And I understand that in our affluent surroundings with other high-achieving neighbors, we might tend to get into kind of a think bubble, into a, a point of view where everything seems to just be pretty good. It's all good. It's all good, as the song goes. It's, it's all good. But you know what? I'm thinking it's really not all good. I think we'd be fooling ourselves to say it's all good. With so much gun violence going on, with the rise of unfettered prejudice that we're seeing, with the blatant lying and dissembling that seems to be going on, the normal of today, the new normal as they say, uh, it's not normal. It's not normal. The problem with us humans, I would like to say, is that it's easy for us to say something, yet it's so much harder for us to do something. What New Year's resolution remains intact? You get the picture of what I'm saying. The disciples living with Jesus for those three years, they swore that they would stay by his side, that they would be faithful to him. They got the best clue of anybody about who Jesus was, and, and they, ha, 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 yes, we'll be right there for you, buddy. Yet, they quickly fell away under the duress of his passion being faithful to their words to Jesus was a very difficult thing for those disciples. Yet, once they got the resurrected Jesus into their lives as a redemptive spiritual power, things changed for those disciples. And what a glorious witness to the faith they made after the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, an amazing transformation that really did manifest new life in those people. Those scared, timid, locked-behind-door disciples were now emboldened to preach out in the streets about this Jesus and what this Jesus had done for them and would do for others. Their authenticity in living what they professed had everything to do with that early church movement, that Jesus movement and the spreading of that through the Roman Empire. The living Lord had touched them, had transformed them, and had empowered them. Now that is a miracle. 
Amen. Our gospel lesson today reminds us of of a very familiar but also most important aspect of our faith. The idea we have of seeing Jesus as the good shepherd. We say that about Jesus as a way to make sense of how we walk with Jesus, that Jesus guides us. Jesus protects us like a good shepherd would protect his flock. Jesus knows us, knows what we're like. He meets our needs. He nurtures us and grows us forward into a healthy uh, life abundant. Our gospel lesson reminds us that we are loved more than we imagine. God loves us through Christ Jesus more than we even imagine. And we are to claim that love and live out of that love, live through that love with what we do with our lives. This is discipleship. This is being a good shepherd seeing Jesus as a good shepherd and being a good sheep. This is what following Jesus is about. Our epistle lesson from John takes that insight of Jesus' role in our life as good shepherd leading us, takes that insight and helps us to see our role towards others. To be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, we are to adopt Jesus' ways. We are to to make Jesus' ways our ways. That's what the Lenten study was all about, right? Did you catch on to that? That's what we were doing in Lent. We were studying that, and we were looking at different qualities of what that might mean to us of walking in the way. We are to be impassioned about the things Jesus was impassioned about. We are to do the things Jesus did. We are to be the way Jesus was. Simply, we are to love our neighbors. So we hear that first line from the epistle of John. Let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. When we read scripture, we notice that Jesus interacts with a whole bunch of people in different circumstances in life. It's it's all about those gospels, isn't it? About what Jesus is up to, what he's saying, what he's doing. And I started to think about that. I started to think, well, I wonder, is is there any time when Jesus 
went up to somebody hurting, feeling down on their luck, feeling marginalized, maybe feeling lost, maybe feeling too uppity or however they were feeling. Can you think of any story in Scripture in which Jesus came up to the person and said, hey, guess what? I'm about to die for your sins and for the sins of the world. And this means that if you believe in me, well, you're going to live forever. It's pretty good news, don't you think, buddy? Pretty good news. Can you think of any story in Scripture where Jesus attempted to satisfy the hunger and thirst of a person with a religious idea. Of where he went up to a wounded person or a sick person and he gave them a little theology. Think about it. I mean, really, think about it. Jesus gave the hungry bread, gave the thirsty drink. He healed the sick. His actions were his beliefs. His actions were the revelation of God. So if God happened to be here, hey guys, he doesn't look like me, does he? We're clear about that, aren't we? Yeah. So God's here, and, and God's saying, all right, you got my attention. I'm glad to, uh, I'm glad to be here. Pastor Wall, thanks very much for inviting me. Um, anybody got a question? Just one question that you'd like to ask. Did you think of one? Who thought of one? Speak up. Okay. Somebody at the eight o'clock said, "You know, God, I'm really wondering. You created Adam and Eve, and they had two sons. Where, where'd all the other people come from?" I was thinking, well, that might stump God. I don't know. But, no, but God's God, so God would know how that happened. Um, thanks for sharing, Penny. Other, anybody have another? Yeah, speak it out. Why do bad things happen to good people? And God would say, Father Kushner's answered that for you, man. Just read the book. Uh, so let me tell you a story. I, w I was in getting... Um, my car smogged a couple weeks ago, and uh, there was Fred. Now, Fred's really not his name because I don't want you to go and try to find who this guy is and, and hunt him down. I'm just going to call him Fred. He was at the smog check station, and he got my car into the little bay, and he has these sliding windows on that side of the bay, and he opened up the window. He stuck his head through looking at me. And he said, 
What do you do that you're driving a Mercedes? So I had a lot of thoughts go through my mind. <laughs> I felt, all right, so once again, I've got to justify. So, so I'm, I tell him, listen, I'm a pastor. I've been driving a 25-year-old Miata in a community where somebody is looking to buy a new car, and they have this leftover Mercedes, and they decide out of their generosity to give it to me. Actually, to give it to my wife, the word is, well, then she can go up and down the state more safely with this secure car. So they give us the Mercedes. So I'm feeling I'm having to justify myself, though, because, you know, well, who, what are you? Who are you? So anyway, then he starts to twinkle in his eye, and I think, I'm in trouble. Because, you know, I don't know if you know, but pastors get the treatment most all the time, if you, as, as long as it's not a party where there's drinking. In those situations, people def, most often don't want their pastor present, but in other circumstances, they're glad to have a pastor, because they have something to say to God, and the pastor is a close second to that, and so they let you know. They let you know their complaints, where they thought things were set up wrong, they, they want to defend themselves as to why uh, this Crumbug next to them is a problem, and they've got things right. Lots of stuff to say to clergy when you let out the fact that you're a clergy. So his eyes twinkle, and I think, I'm in trouble. And he goes, I want to ask you a question. And, you know, I think you should use it in your sermon. I hate it when they do stuff like that. They try to... People try to, you know, get you to do stuff like that for them. And so I, I give them the, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I give them that kind of thing to try. And he goes, no, really. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? And then he gives me a big pause. So I'm starting to squirm now thinking, okay, what's the answer that this guy wants that gets me free from this interrogation? What would you ask? And he says, you know what I would ask? I would say, how can I help? I got goose pimples. How can I help? Of all the good questions that you might think of that are things that keep us up late at night trying to figure out, the question he would ask was, how can I help God? I thought, oh, man. All right, you're in the sermon. <laughs> One of the, the classic prayers of the church go like this. Grant that all who have been reborn in this fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith. Show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith.
like John says, words and speech into behaviors and action. Walking our talk, living our faith. Once we've experienced the risen Lord, whether it's at this Easter, any Easter, whenever that blessed moment comes in our lives or is renewed in our lives, once the risen Christ is a companion on our way that we are aware of being with us on our way and we welcome on our way. We realize that life really is all about loving. At best and at most, faith is a heart thing. It's not a head thing. Faith is is substantiated in our caring. Our caring for the least of these, our caring for the lost and the stranger, our caring for our neighbor. When we experience the living Christ, this is what we learn about how we are to live. Let love lead. Amen.